Hey, welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out our hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it up. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. Hey, good morning, Life Church. It's so good to see each and every one of you. And thank you, Pastor Sean and Sonny, for allowing us to come back and be here. I do want to take a moment and introduce you to my wife, the best part of my life, other than Jesus. Starla, would you stand up over there? Give us. And today, today is her birthday, so we're celebrating her birthday here. with us here today, a little kind of a funny story is she just didn't want a lot of attention on her birthday. So she said, listen, I just, I don't want you to do anything. In fact, let's just take Sunday off and let's just be away so that there's no focus on me. So I said, okay, Sean asked us to come back and be here. I thought, okay, we'll do it this weekend. So everything she asked me not to do on Sunday, I did on Wednesday night. We actually still have Wednesday night services down in Dallas and uh, not too many other people do, but I turned the whole service, hijacked the whole service, and it was all about her. So I told her I kept my promise. I didn't do it on Sunday, but I uh, did it on Wednesday night. But happy birthday, babe. And, uh, and thank you, Pastor Sean and Sonny, for hosting the Better Marriage Conference. We had a great time with uh, a lot of your couples here on Saturday, and uh, it, was, it was a blessing. We had some books left over from that conference, so if you weren't able to come to the conference, uh, the Never Settle for Good Enough book and workbook. Some of those are available at the uh, resource table, the merch table out there. And if you want to pick some of those up, please help yourself. You know, I heard a story of a guy who went to the Super Bowl and there was an empty seat next to him. And somebody who saw the empty seat said to this guy, I, said, I can't believe there's an empty seat at the Super Bowl. And the guy kind of got real quiet and he said, well, that was my wife's seat. And she passed away. So she's not here. He said, oh man, I'm so sorry. So sorry. He said, but I'm, I'm still surprised you didn't have a, a friend, a, a brother, a, a cousin, a brother-in-law that would come and sit with you at the game. He said, I know. I don't understand it either. They all went to the funeral. <laughs> now, listen, I could tell that story all over the country and most people say, what a bad guy, <laughs> but not here. You would say, wait a second, were the Packers playing? That changes everything. I know. Well, I see the Packer nation here. Uh, and my wife has told me the only thing, in fact, we're going to go to the Packers game this afternoon. And uh, I told her that was part of her birthday gift. Yeah, that's kind of what she did. She said the only way I could make it up to her if I wore a cheese head through the whole game. Uh, I don't plan on doing that, but (laughs) maybe I'll take a picture in one. Hey, I know I'm talking to three different types of people here today. I'm talking to those who you've got a great, vibrant, alive relationship with Jesus Christ. Things are good. Things are great. Maybe you're at the best place you've ever been. And thank God for that. But there's also another group of people and you're still in a good relationship with Christ, but you've been at a better place. You're not where you used to be for one reason or another. 
things have kind of drifted. You've become a little complacent and you're not where you used to be, not where you want to be. And then there's another group of people here today that you're just not where uh, you need to be at all. Maybe you've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ, or maybe you have, but you've wandered away from your faith. I just want to recognize that I, I realize those three groups of people are here in this room or even watching this service online. And I want to prepare you to move one step closer from where you are. I want you to take one step closer towards a better, stronger, more vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to share a message with you this morning that I'll just be honest with you. I've only preached it one time, preached it one time at my church. And I know that's not usually what guest speakers do. They usually come in with that. I mean, that sugar baby message. I mean, you preached it a thousand times and you know, you know exactly what you're going to get when you preach that message. I'm not doing that. I'm taking a little bit of a risk here today. And I'm going to tell you up front, most of you probably will not like this message. Most of you will say, uh, yeah, that wasn't for me. You'll think that, but I'm praying that you'll react a little differently. I'm going to talk to you about being desperate for God, desperate for God. You see, there's a term we, we were kind of known in the church for cliches and we get these little coin phrases and sometimes they come from songs that we sing. Sometimes they come from other uh, sources, but we get these little cliches and sometimes they come straight from the head. You know, it's just a cool saying, but other times it comes from the heart. And I hope that this phrase desperate for God comes from the heart. I know it comes from my heart. It rings and echoes true in my heart. I'm desperate for God. I'm desperate for more of him. I recognize that he has changed my life, but there's still so much more. And, and I'm a little older than most of you guys here in this church. So I can tell you the older you get, the better it gets with Jesus. The older you get, the more he has to offer. It doesn't get old. It doesn't get stale. It doesn't get routine. It doesn't get mundane. It gets better and better and better. But you've got to take that one step towards him. You've got to choose to move just a little bit closer. But let me clarify what I'm talking about when I say desperate for God. I'm not talking about God just showing up because I have this underlying foundational truth that where two or three gather in his name, he's there. He's here. He's here this morning. We felt his presence as we began to worship. And, and I, I forgot, what's, what's your guitar player's name? What is it? Keith. He needs a little more energy. We just, we just need to help the brother out. Keith, are you here? You're right back there. Yeah. We need to um, talk to me afterwards. We need, to, we need to get you out of your shell. You're just kind of holding back a little bit, brother. Uh, I remember you, Keith, you did the video recording on the, uh, not the podcast, but the other thing we did last time I was here. But, uh, I know every single one of us, we just need to move a little bit closer. I'm not talking about God just showing up. He's here. He's here. When we gather in his name, when we worship, he responds. So what am I talking about? This desperate need for God, it stems from already having a relationship with him, but wanting more. So where does it come from? In Psalm 63, verse number one, it comes from this verse. You God are my God and earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. This was David's cry. I'm just, I'm earnestly seeking you. I long for you. I thirst for you. David's language. It wasn't just poetic. It was desperate. He wanted more of God. And I hope and pray I can stir something up in this place today where you'll want more of God, 
more than what you have right now, that you'll move a little bit closer. The sons of Korah had similar things to say in Psalms 84. They said, we long and yearn for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Pastor Sean was talking about crying out to God earlier. These verses, they don't just talk about Old Testament writers who want more of God. These are men, men who wanted more of God. So what does being desperate really mean? What am I talking about? Well, if you look at just the definition of desperation or desperate, you would get the first definition would be something like this feeling or showing a hopeless sense that a situation is so bad to be impossible to deal with. Well, that's not us as followers of Christ. That's not us. We're not in that hopeless situation because we believe with God, all things are possible, right? But you know, there's always more definitions and variations of definitions. What I'm talking about is having a great need or a desire for something. And that great need and that desire is more of God. Now, if we don't feel desperate for God, then we're not inclined to cry out to him. And when we don't cry out to him, it leads to complacency and apathy and eventual spiritual death. And some of you have felt that inclination to move that way. Being desperate for God should be the cry of every Bible believing Christian where we just want more of God. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about somebody who doesn't care what anybody else thinks. I'm going after God. Doesn't care what anybody else says. I'm going after God. We'll go. We will go where no one else will go. We won't let anything stop us. We will do desperate things to get more of God. So what are the qualities of a person who's desperate for God? Let me hit you with these qualities real quick out of Luke chapter 18. These qualities, first of all, persistence, persistence in Luke chapter 18, verse number five, there's a widow woman who comes to a judge's house in the middle of the night. And it says, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. This widow kept knocking on the judge's door, wanted justice, wanted him to respond. And because she was persistent, he told her, go away, go away. It's the middle of the night. She wouldn't go away. She kept on coming. The desperate are persistent. We don't let anything keep. I mean, it's, you got this. You know what I'm talking about. It's like Green Bay Packer fans. Persistent. Nothing's going to stop you from watching the game or being at the game. You're, you are in all the way. That's what being desperate for God is. We're persistent. We're not going to let anything keep us out of the house of God. We're, gonna, we're not going to let anything keep us from being in his presence. We're going to keep pushing after him. Pastor Sean spoke about blind Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus, the blind man who stood uh, or sat on the side of the road screaming out, you know, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. People around him said, be quiet, shut up. He was persistent. And because he was persistent, he got the attention of Jesus and he got his healing. Zacchaeus was just like that. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, but he was too short. He couldn't see over the crowd. So what did he do? He was persistent. He went found a tree that he could climb up in the tree so that he could see Jesus. The woman with the issue of blood that was sick for years was persistent. She knew that if she could just get to Jesus, so she pushed through the crowd and she pushed through the accusations and all the insults and everything that people were hurling against her. And she pushed through to get to Jesus. I'm talking about being persistent. Is there a persistence in your pursuit of God or have you just kind of settled into, Hey, you know, whatever happens, happens. There's got to be some persistence. The second quality is this sacrifice, sacrifice. Luke 18 verse number 22. When Jesus heard this, he said, you still lack one thing, sell everything, give to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now, 
Thank the Lord. This isn't a general requirement for everybody to follow Christ. You got to give everything away. But for this young man, he came to Jesus and he said, Hey, what what do I got to do to inherit eternal life? Keep the commands. I've done all that. What else do I got to do? He said, give away everything you have, give it to the poor and come follow me. Because he knew that this young man had more interest in his wealth than he did in following Christ. He had to be willing to make a sacrifice. What are you willing to sacrifice in order to have more of God? Is it your fame? Is it your position? Is it pride? What is it? You've got to be willing to sacrifice something in order to get more of God. And if you're willing to take that step and get willing to make a sacrifice, here's the third quality. They know what they want. The people who are desperate for God know what they want. In Luke 18, it says, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see. This was Bartimaeus. I want to see. He knew exactly what he wanted. So what do you want from God? Because I can tell you this. I'll tell you what I want. I want some men and women that are unafraid and unashamed to worship Jesus. They're not ashamed to come into his house. They're not ashamed to say, yes, I'm a believer. Yes, I follow Christ. Yes, me and my house, we serve the Lord. I want to see people who are unashamed to be followers of Jesus Christ. We don't have anything to be ashamed of. Not, not, no, not here, not now, not ever. We don't have anything to be ashamed of. And and when we know what we want, when we know what we desire, then we will get what we desire. And those who are uh, passionate and desperate for Christ, they know what they want. Because if you can't answer that question, what do you want from God? You're probably not desperate. The desperate know what they want. I need his touch. I need his presence. I need his favor. I need him in my life. I need him in my marriage. I need him with my children. I need him. When you get desperate, you cry out. He responds. Here's the fourth quality, creativity, creativity. In Luke 19, he wanted to see Jesus talking about Zacchaeus, but he was short and he couldn't see because of the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming his way. He got creative. How creative are you willing to get in order to experience more of God? See, sometimes we, we come to church and, and I mean, it probably doesn't happen here, probably every other church, but except here. Okay. You know, and somebody gets your parking lot. Well, that ruins your day. You're a parking spot. Somebody sits in your seat where you always sit, ruins your day. You know I mean? Things happen. You get here. Oh, they're out of coffee. Not that that would ever happen here, but, uh, you got plenty of coffee around here and I love it, but we let little things get in our way. Little things stop us from pursuing Christ. Oh, they didn't sing my favorite song today, or they sang a song that I just can't stand. You know, we let those things get in our way, but you got to get creative. You got to learn how to work around those things that appear as obstacles in your life in order to pursue him. You can't let little trivial things stop you from going after God. The, The desperate get creative. The desperate find a way. The desperate will not stop. And here's the last thing. Courage courage. This is a quality of the desperate. Mark five. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd. She touched his cloak because she thought if I could just touch his clothes, I will be healed. She came up behind him in the crowd. Now this woman, she had been trying to find a solution for her sickness for years, had spent all her money on doctors, had gone to every source and resource that she could find. And she still is sick. 
She hears that Jesus is coming by. She probably heard some of the same rumors that Bartimaeus heard. Here is a man that can heal. So she just knew if she could push through the crowd. So she had the courage to do what most wouldn't because as a woman who had a blood issue, she was considered unclean. So she wasn't supposed to be around anybody but she came out in the crowd. And I'm sure people said, unclean, unclean, you shouldn't be here. She said, you better get out of my way. I'm coming through, <laughs> clear, clear this path. Nothing's gonna stop me. She had the courage to face the accusations of the crowd. And then there was another thing that was not common and not a protocol in that day for a woman to touch a man. And she came up to Jesus and she was willing to touch him and was willing to break through protocol and break through uh, what, what the stereotypical uh, response would have been. But she pushed through people insulting her, stopping her, but she touched Jesus. But she didn't just touch Jesus. She touched a rabbi, which was not acceptable in that day. Jesus was a rabbi. Even beyond that, he was wearing this prayer shawl. It wasn't just the hem of his his a garment that he was wearing. It was the prayer shawl and she touched the prayer shawl, which was sacred. You don't touch the prayer shawl, but she had the courage to push through all those barriers, all those obstacles because she was desperate. You see, when you get desperate, you're willing to do anything. You're willing to go anywhere. You're willing to break any protocol. And some of you just need to break some protocol. You say, well, I don't know if it's okay for a man to raise his hands, break some protocol. I don't know if it's okay for a man to cry. Cry a little bit. Break some protocol. If you're desperate, you're going to be willing to have the courage to do things that maybe others wouldn't do. You know, there's an old hymn that if you grew up in church, maybe you sung this song, grew up in maybe a little more traditional church. It was called an old hymn called Come Thou Fount of Many Blessings. We sung a little bit in contemporary circles, but The course says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take it and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Now, this was written by a man by the name of Robert Robinson, written back in the 1700s. Robert Robinson was uh, born into a family who lost his father at the age of eight. At eight years of age, he became fatherless child had to grow up real fast. But then even to make matters worse, his maternal grandfather was a very wealthy man who disinherited his daughter, Robert Robinson's mother disinherited her because she married down. Didn't just disinherit his daughter, disinherited his grandson as well. So this boy was forced to have to grow up real fast and take on adult responsibilities in the house. He probably never processed through those father wounds and that grandfather wound. But at age 20, he had an encounter with Jesus. And in a George Whitfield revival, he accepts Jesus Christ as his Lord and savior gets called into the ministry and starts preaching the gospel and starts planting churches. And even in the 1700s plants a church that grows to over a thousand people, which was unheard of in that day, but still writing these words prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it prone to leave the God I love. He was battling with that. And even after many years of great success in the ministry, he wandered from his faith. He fell victim to what he wrote about. And he left the ministry and he walked away from his faith. 
And the story says that he was riding on a stagecoach and some other passengers on that stagecoach were there with him. And one lady to pass the time began to sing a song called come thou fount of many blessings. Tune my heart to sing thy grace streams of mercy, never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. She sings that song and then just randomly looks to the man sitting across from her and says, what do you think of the song? With quivering voice, tears welling up in his eyes. He said, madam, I'm the unhappy man that penned those words many years ago. And I would give a thousand worlds if I could feel today like I did then. Wandered from his faith, left the God that he loved. Say, how could that happen? We all have a proneness to wonder. We all have a temptation to leave the God that we love. What is it that keeps us on the straight and narrow? What is it that keeps us pursuing God? Because listen, I know I was part of your rise after the fall series. I told my story, my proneness to wonder, my brokenness, my fall, my failure. You had many men that shared some similar stories and what would cause somebody to wonder? Or what would keep somebody from wondering may be the better question. You see, the, the Bible gives us plenty of mysteries, but I can guarantee you this. The mystery of what it takes to keep from wandering away from your faith is not a mystery, but it is difficult. You, don't, you want to know what the key to correcting the proneness to wonder the key to staying faithful to Jesus. You want to know what it is? You want to know what it is? Are you willing to walk it? Are you willing to receive it? You're waiting till I tell you what it is before you answer, right? See, I'm not really sure where you're going with this. This is the part that I told you you're not going to like. This is the part that's not real popular. This is probably not what any other guest speaker is going to come in and tell you, but I can tell you what it is that keeps us from wondering and leaving the God that we love. And it's affliction, wow. affliction. What do you mean? Pain, trouble. What are you saying? I'm saying I'm praying a whole lot of trouble on you. No, it's not what I'm saying, but look what the Psalmist David said in Psalms 119 verse number 67. He said, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Before he was afflicted, what? When he wasn't in trouble, when he didn't have difficulty, before he was afflicted, he went astray. But now that he's afflicted, now that he has trouble, he keeps the word of God. To borrow a phrase from C.S. Lewis that he used when comforting a suffering friend, he said, God uses affliction as a severe mercy to help keep his saints from going astray. He uses affliction. Now, I know many of you are saying right now, there's got to be another way. There's got to be another way. Help me. Where's curtain number two? Because listen, listen, there is a paradox in, in the Bible. 
And this paradox is that affliction is typically an evil in our lives that we experience in our lives, our relationships and our relationship with Christ and our, our pursuit of God. Prosperity is typically the good that we experience in our relationships and in our life and our pursuit of God, right? Evil, bad, prosperity, good. That's the way we usually process things. However, the tendency is to move towards God in affliction and to wonder from him in prosperity. In fact, the apostle Paul said this in second Corinthians 12, seven, he said to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. We need God to do whatever it takes to keep us desperate so that we will not wonder. So let me just share with you real quickly. And listen, listen, understand. I want God to bless you. I want you to experience every blessing, favor, and increase that he has for your life. But also recognize this, that sometimes pain is our best friend. Trouble becomes the thing that gets us our attention back on focus. The danger of prosperity is this, that in affliction, look at this, in, in affliction, David remained faithful. He remained desperate, but in prosperity, David failed. David found out that in the good times, he was more, more vulnerable. In fact, in fact, look at this. Why did David's affliction result in faithfulness uh, and his prosperity result in sin? Because when David was desperate for God, Saul was afflicting him. Saul was chasing him. Saul was hunting him down. But whenever he was not desperate for God, he was vulnerable to his own self-destructive behavior. Sometimes affliction becomes the very thing that keeps us where we need to be. That's why Paul said, when I'm weak, then God is strong in me because I'm dependent upon him. I'm trusting in him. We don't need to be afraid to ask God to make us desperate. That should be the cry of our heart. Don't be afraid. I'm afraid to, to get desperate for God because he just might cause some affliction in my life. I promise you, he'll never put you through anything that you can't bear. But if we just ask for ease, because listen, One of the worst things that has happened to us here in America is that this easy lifestyle in America has not been our friend. Now, I know some of you say, well, I've had it tough. I know we all have tough times, but when you compare our lifestyle here in America to others outside of America, we are blessed. And that blessing has become a curse because it hasn't caused us to want to be desperate and to pursue God. It's caused us to sit back, kick back and relax. And because of that, we've become a little apathetic. So look at the blessings of the desperate. Let me just give these to you real quick. The blessings of the desperate. Number one, the unjust judge. Yeah, he got ticked off, but the widow got justice, right? The crowd shouted, rebuked the blind man, but he got what he wanted, right? The people in the church leaders, they got angry, but the little man, Zacchaeus, he got saved. He found Christ. The master may have been hindered, but the woman with the issue of blood got healed. The roof may have got broken whenever the four paralytic men took their friend and tore the roof off the top. They got created to experience Jesus, but he got restored. Here's what I want you to know. There are blessings that God has for you. There are things that he wants you to experience that you're not going to experience in the comfort zone. Growth doesn't come in the comfort zone. Growth comes through pain. Growth comes through stress. 
Growth comes through affliction. And believe me, this is, this is a weird message. It's weird. So let's, let's just all pray. God, give me a little pain. Give me a little affliction. No. Say, God, make me desperate for you. And if inconvenience, discomfort is part of it, so be it. You'll give me the strength to get through it. You'll give me the strength to endure. You'll give me the strength to persevere. You'll give me what I need because I know ultimately what I need more than anything is more of God. I need more of him in my life. And I hope you believe the same thing. Would you do me a favor and just stand to your feet? I said there are three groups of people that I'm talking to today. One is you've got a great relationship with Christ, but I'm here to tell you there's more. There's more. Don't get trapped into the comfort zone, the easy life that we have in America. Stay hungry. Stay hungry. Stay desperate. But there's others. You've been in a better place. You are hungrier for God than you are right now. You are more passionate for him than you are right now. You were more attentive to his word and to his spirit than you are right now. You served before, you gave before, you prayed before, you worshiped before, but now it's just kind of like, hey, hey, I'm here. It's like, isn't that enough? Isn't that good enough? And I want to challenge you to take a step closer. Move just a little closer. And there's still some others here today. Maybe you're You're really far from God. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never said yes to him, or maybe you have, but you've wandered from your faith. Maybe you've left the God that you love. I want to call you back to him today. Because there is a loving heavenly father who has his arms open wide If you can picture the story of the prodigal son just quickly in your mind, there's a son who had everything but left it all to try to chase after something else. When he realized what he was looking for was not in riches, it wasn't in partying, it wasn't in the big city, it was in his father's arms. He finally came back home, came to his senses in the middle of a pig pen, realizing that following his heart led to disaster, but he finally came to his senses and he came back home. He said, father, just take me back as a hired hand. But what the father do, the father wrapped his arms around and said, forgive me. You're my son. You're my son. And there's some of you that maybe you feel like, oh man, I've done so much. I messed up so bad. I'm I'm not what I need to be. There's a heavenly father that's got his arms outstretched ready to say, you're my son. You're my daughter. I've been waiting for you to come home. I've been waiting for you to come back. I've been looking for you. I've been praying for you. And he's here for you today. Would you bow your heads with me all over this place? If you're here today and you say, Pastor Kendall, I'm in that third group. Either I've never accepted Christ or I have, but I've wondered for my faith. But today I'm ready to come home to my heavenly father. I'm ready to come back to Jesus today. If that's you all over this place, all over this place, from the front to the back, left to the right, if that's you on the count of three, I want you to slip up your hand. I want to pray for you right there where you are. I want to pray for you. 
Ready? One, two, three. Say, that's me. That's me. Yes, 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 yes. All over this room. Amen. You can put your hands down. How many of you here today say, I've been in a better place. I've, I've been on fire. I've, I've been more passionate. I've been more hungry. I've just kind of become a little complacent, but I'm ready to get back to being on fire for Christ. If that's you, slip up your hand. Yes. All over this room. You can put your hands down. And even those of you that said, I'm at the best place I've ever been, but I realize there's more and I don't want to stop now. I want more. That's you. Slip up your hand. I want more. Yes, yes, yes. Father, all over this room, as people have responded just by saying, I want more. God, you know exactly where they are. You know exactly what they need. And I feel there's a desperation that's rising up in this congregation today. There's There's a desperation in the men and the women and the young and the old. Don't let us stay complacent. Don't let us stay in the comfort zone. If it takes affliction, so be it. More than anything, we want you. We want a relationship with you. We want to please you. We want to honor you with everything we have. So God, take us right here where we are. I want to pray a simple prayer with you, especially those who pray, who raise your hand to accept Christ today. I want to pray a simple prayer, but I'm going to ask for everybody to pray so no one prays alone. Would you repeat this prayer after me? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. Come into my heart. Wash away my sin. Be the Lord of my life today and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, Kiki. Give Jesus some praise right now. Thanks for joining us this week. Still thinking about the message? Go follow our message recap podcast, Chew On That. The Chew On That podcast is a podcast where Life Church staff chew over the latest messages to dig deeper into our faith. Tap the link in the episode description to have a listen. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week. Oh,